Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This episode is brought to you by Podmetrics. Podmetrics is a podcast analytics platform that enables podcasters to see all the relevant data they need to know about their podcast's audience. Sign up now at podmetrics.co and use the referral code RESTING2XPOD. Again, the code RESTING2XPOD. What's going on? This is Xavier Woods, a.k.a. Austin Creed. I said give me a hell yeah! Hey, this is Zeta Zane. Hey, everyone. This is Jeff Cobb. Hello, WWE Universe in the Philippines. This is Charlotte. Talent is not sexually transmitted. Hey, this is TJP, the Phil and Flash, and you are listening to Stan, Bro, Chino, and Camos on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> You are listening to the longest-running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast. This is the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. Stan C, Romoran, and Chino Liao at your service with this week's exclusive audio-only episode. And boy, we have a treat for you this week because we've got the NWA World Women's Champion, Thunder Rosa, on this week's episode. And it's a very insightful conversation. And we're just really happy that this finally happened. Yeah, I actually haven't recorded like this this late since our mellow and wave days, no? Yeah. So, na late. But yeah, it was such a great conversation. I really liked how she went in into every answer she gave. So really yeah. good. Uh, it's a bit of a deep dive on her on her opinions on her career as well. What we did heading into this interview was we wanted to make sure that we we would ask questions that haven't really been asked of her in previous interviews. Because if you haven't noticed, she's actually gone on quite the media tour as of late. So we're just really lucky and fortunate that the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast was one of the stops on her media tour. And we're so excited to bring our conversation with Thunder Rosa. But before we get to that, just want to remind you once again that the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast affiliate link on Lazada is still up, even though 1010 is behind us. So if you want to buy stuff on Lazada, and help keep the lights on here on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast and on Podcast Network Asia, all you have to do is visit the link tinyurl.com slash wrestlingwrestlingxlazada. Again, that is tinyurl.com slash wrestlingwrestlingxlazada. Make sure to click that before you get to the site or the app, and every successful purchase that's checked out and delivered to your doorstep gives us a small commission to help everyone out at PNA. And now, without further ado, let's get right to it. It's our conversation with Thunder Rosa here on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. Here we are with our special guest for this week's exclusive audio-only episode of the podcast. Please welcome the NWA World Women's Champion, Thunder Rosa. Hi, everybody. I, it was audio. You should have told me. I could have looked like... Yeah, we'll post the clip. Don't worry. We'll take pictures. We're still taking pictures, so it's all good. Yeah, all we've right. got the recording. <laughs> so, uh, how's it going, uh, Rosa? How how have you been with uh, the pandemic going on and just this turbulent, turbulent year? Uh man, good. I mean, it's been it's been a year of full of changes, full of uh, adjustments, full of uh, surprises. You just have to like 
I think right now you just have to ride the wave and just let it be. 2020 just shows that anything can happen and like that if you think that you have a, a life path, like it could completely change. So, I mean, I made the best out of these lemons that were given to me on 2020. Our listeners have probably been curious about how you got your start in the industry. So maybe we can start with your origin story in wrestling. How did this all begin for you? I was 26. I had a job that I liked, but I hated at the same time. And then I started attending uh, indie shows and I got hooked on wrestling with that. And I met a lot of people and I like it. And uh, I had a theater background and um, I've always been very dramatic per se. So... I was just, we just went with it and I started pretty much by accident, kind of like just finding that wrestling was something that I was interested in. It gave me pleasure, let's say, let's put it that way. And um, that's how I started. I mean, I, I told this story like many, many, many times, but I think wrestling found me when I was older. It was like my calling, my life, lifelong calling that I didn't know. So that's how I started. I started in Hayward, California. I was the third girl on the tryout. It was we. I was doing a trial because I was trying to get a scholarship, and I got fifth place, which I was really proud because I was the oldest in the group. Everybody was like 20, 21, you know, and I was the oldest of the group. And I was, the, I think, I was the one who was striking the hardest. Like the other girl, I think she got it because she was younger. And I, I always been uh, overlooked because of my age, my look, because of my beliefs, and people didn't really put their money on me. So the odds were against me from the beginning. You mentioned that uh, you started at 26 and that you started with attending an indie show, but were you the type to have enjoyed wrestling as a child? Because there are a lot of stories of people who see wrestling on TV from like their brothers or their parents or whatever. So you weren't that type of kid? No, I when I watch it, I'm going to tell you, when I was in high school, my senior year, I lived with my, my auntie in San Diego and my cousins were really big WWE fans. They loved John Cena. And I thought John Cena was the stupidest man in the world with that big... <laughs> Why guy wearing a big clock? Like, what? I was like, used to tell him, what is that? Like, what are you guys watching? This is garbage. And they're like, oh, it's professional artist. Don't talk about John Cena like that. And then um, who else was on? The Rock and um, Stone Cold were like pretty, pretty hot still. And I didn't watch. I honestly thought it was the stupidest thing. They will watch it every Monday. And I'm like, yo, I was 17. I was like, this is dumb. Like. <laughs> Pop-up press instead, I mean, it's the same thing. But when I turned 18, I had a boyfriend. He took me to a Lucha Libre show in Tijuana. And I thought it was a fun, like I said, live shows was what got me into it, not the TV stuff. The TV stuff, I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. Okay. And then I didn't really watch professional wrestling. I watched Lucha Libre because it's in our culture. Like when I was little, I used to watch like, Santo versus the mummy, Santo and Blue Demon versus the vampires. And I thought it was the dopest thing, the most corniest movies, but I watched it every Sunday. So, or every Saturday. And I, I really liked it, but I was part of, of my culture. But it wasn't necessarily that like, oh my God, the Santo and like all oh, his holes. Like, I don't know, nothing, like nothing. All right. Um, so you're one of the few wrestlers with the background in MMA. So when it comes to your MMA career, is that something you try and differentiate from your pro wrestling career or are, are the two interchangeable? You have, have to like intertwine both of them because otherwise it becomes really, really hard for you to do either either or. You actually, the beauty about professional wrestling is that you can bring a lot of the technique 
from MMA to it, to, to your character. And that's what I had been able to do this year that I had been training mostly MMA. I still have a lot, long ways to go. I only been training MMA like full time when I'm not, when I'm not working for a year. So a lot of my peers that have been doing MMA, they've been doing it for a decade. You know, um, I always like, you started every, everything. I started really late, I'm a late boomer, but I put my heart and soul on everything. So, um, yeah. And I love it. Like there is so many different ways to get into different holds and like, you can still tell a story and I'm changing some of the stuff that I used to do to now like more striking base and submission base MMA without, you know, overdoing it too. I really enjoy it. And I know a lot of the girls or a lot of my competitors that get in the ring with me, they know when they get in the ring with me, I'm going to get the best out of them or at least try to, because as you guys seen the last couple matches that I have had, like when I come out, I come out ready for a fight. Yeah. And I come ready for everything. Like I am not here to like dance anymore because I used to dance a lot before. None, none of that. I'm a serious competitor and I want to get the best out of you. And if I don't, I fail. Or you fail because you don't want to work with me. But <laughs> in, that, in that aspect, I just want to entertain and I want to tell the best story ever. Right. Right. Uh, you mentioned uh, starting late both in pro wrestling and uh, MMA. So how was that like? Did you have to, did you feel like you had to catch up so much with your peers? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Always. I always feel that way. That's why I always work so hard. Like, you know, do seminars, did uh, study, uh, video study, like on my own, took extra classes with people, everything. I mean, I always had that mentality that I don't have a lot of time in the business for me to be like, well, I'm 21. I can wait until I'm 28 to get signed. Like, no, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it now and I'm going to do it right. It's that sense of urgency that I don't see in a lot of people. And the, the sense of urgency allows you to not only work on yourself, but also work on your goals, on your personal goals in wrestling and outside of wrestling. So that's why you have seen me. And I've been very lucky, thankfully, like, like I said, God has blessed me with all these opportunities in the last six years, but I've taken all of them and I have excelled in a lot of them. And some of them I fail and I had to try and try until I got good. But that's what you have to do. You have to have that sense of urgency just because you're on TV or on a TV show doesn't mean that you're just going to keep doing what you're doing. If it doesn't fit to the character that they're giving you, you better change your ways. You have to be multifaceted and you have to be willing to change. I feel like a lot of people, because of how they get like there, I think it's like ego, an ego kind of thing. Uh -huh. I think that's right. one of the things that MMA has taught me is like if something doesn't work, find a way to make it work and get the same result. Like if I want to get an arm bar, but I can't get the arm bar the way that, yes, they taught me yesterday, but I have another way to get it and it's still successful. Well, let me try the other way. So that's, it's like that mentality. You have to evolve. You can't get stuck anymore on certain aspects because otherwise you can't, you can't move forward. Mm -hmm. Right. All right. You mentioned uh, your MMA career being intertwined with your pro wrestling career, but what about your job before getting into wrestling? I remember in previous interviews, you talked about being a welfare worker. So did that influence your wrestling character or anything in your career? Everything. I mean, that's me. It's like, I am a very caring person. And that's why a lot of people tell me like, oh, wrestling is, it's all about you, right? And, and yeah, and then I got, I have gotten burned from helping people, but that doesn't gonna stop me from helping them and get, get them better. It's the same thing when you get in the ring, when you get in the ring with somebody who has no experience, what are you gonna do? Try to make them look like crap or actually help them and elevate them to look better. Right. That's why, right. and that's basically what you do with social work. You have somebody that doesn't have social skills, 
and your job is to teach them social skills so they can be successful in life. You can use both things, right? You can either make them very depending on you or you can teach them a lesson. And yes, they can make mistakes, but at the end when they get off the ring, it was like, oh my God, when I was with Thunder Rosa, she guided me and now when I'm going to my next match and it's somebody that is less experienced, now I can guide them and make it try some of the stuff that we did there. Same thing. I, it's, I connect everything to, to that. And also when I was working with my clients where they were very different ages, just talking about them about goals in life and achieving their, their dreams and is what I've been doing in professional wrestling. Uh, it's having very set goals and working every day to achieve those goals. And then once I achieve those goals, create new goals, not to get stuck in the same place because we get complacent and then we don't grow. So it's, it's the same things that I just teach my clients. I have to like implement in my life and I have to implement professional wrestling. And with that, we have like my husband and I created an, an environment in where we want to help other generation of professional female wrestlers to grow. And that's the reason why we, we revamp Mission Pro Wrestling because that's what we want to do. Okay. So when it comes to your pro, uh, pro wrestling persona, you're very known for your the Calavera face paint you put on. Like That's one of your trademarks. There we go. How did you decide to incorporate that with your character? I didn't want to be a stereotype as a luchadora. Like I always wanted to be stereotyped as a wrestler because mm -hmm. I, I, I trained in America. I didn't know lucha, and I hated when people were like, "Do lucha?" Well, I don't know how to do lucha. I'm not a luchadora. Just because I'm from Mexico, yeah, and I have an accent, you know, doesn't mean <laughs> that I am a luchadora. So I, that of course that's one thing that really irritated me when I first started here. Let's keep it real. A lot of us that are immigrants that are in the United States that we're second generation or first generation, like we try to stay away from the stereotype in order for us to be successful in an American society. Right. Because there's still a lot of segregation. There's still a lot of racism. There's still a lot of uh, misinterpretation of our culture. So for me, using the face paint was, was big because I was rejecting my own people or my own uh, origin for a minute because I wanted to be seen as a wrestler. I didn't want to be seen as the luchadora because you only speak Spanish. I want to be respected as an athlete. So that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Lucha Underground. And when I worked in a, in a place in Merced, California, the guy was looking to bring more Latino fans and they were failing on that. And it's a big Latino community. So they painted my face. And they're like, they have the dead is very popular. You should use it. I use it. It looked cool. I only use it there. Then they told me that I should use half. And I was like, all right. So I only use it there. Everywhere else it was this. This is what, this is what you got. Then yeah. when I went to Japan, people didn't really like, eh, I mean, she's good, but like, wait. And then I got the concussion. And my husband was like, yes, I think it's time for you to wear the face paint. Why? Because it just, it's like you can put it on the story where you almost, you know, died in Japan. And now it's kind of like at the rebirth of Thunder Rosa. It's like have that half life. And then later on, discovering things from my family and, you know, from other stuff. Then I discovered that my grandfather, when he was watching Lucha Libre in Tijuana with one of my uncles, he had a heart attack. My uncle was wow. on his his lap and he passed away while watching professional wrestling. Wow. So my uncle told me, this wasn't your destiny. This was written in your book of life. It was meant to be. And then with all the other stuff with my social work, where I used to work, that name of Thunder Rosa, where I came from. Again, going back to what I was telling you, telling the kids like to search for your dreams. It's uh, 
wearing the face paint is again remembering those that passed away that were part of my life that were part of my ancestry and remembering in a way just like the day of the dead remembering when they're alive and, and remembering the positive things that they brought to my life so i always think i always think like that the kids that you know commit suicide that got killed by the police that didn't make it and i work with them that i was a positive influence it's remembering them every time so are there other aspects of your heritage or your culture that you want to bring into your pro wrestling career oh everything man is the resilience the, the 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 love for life the the family the togetherness uh that's that's a lot of a uh, part of a uh, our latino culture our kindness our humbleness like all of that i bring to the ring our pride i think that's another one i'm very proud of where i come from mm -hmm. now <laughs> you know after like struggling so much I'm very proud of where I come from, and, and I'm very proud of being a product of two countries, Mexican-American. That's very important to me, being a Mexican-American, and being a positive role model for Mexican-Americans, for women and men, mm -hmm. because I feel that still 2020, people still like talk down about some of us, but there's a lot of people that work really hard, and they, they become very successful individuals in America. Right. Right, so you mentioned Japan. I, I like to jump to current events real quick. Uh, last week, you had to vacate the Tokyo Joshi Pro yeah. International Princess Championship. How did you feel having to vacate a championship due to COVID-19? Did you even see that coming? How do you think I feel? <laughs> <laughs> I feel terrible. Like, I was in Japan three times this year, uh -huh. and those times were canceled. Like 2020 was canceled. Yeah. So, I was devastated. Just from the moment when they told me you're not going, I was devastated. I was so sad. Japan is like my third home. I love it. I love the fans. I love Tokyo Joshi Pro. They have been super respectful and like they've been like one of the few companies that they saw my talent and they were able to tell me in my face, you're a very talented wrestler. We want you. You know how important that is? And then they putting a strap on me. Mm -hmm. That's like the ultimate respect right there like when right. i got that championship, that was one of my dreams to become a champion in japan not many people can tell you that did that i don't care if the company is small or big i still did that and i was the first mexican-born wrestler to do that over there so you're like creating history and again building your legacy and then COVID, like just like everybody else in the world yeah came and it all up for me and now it's gone i took a picture i said goodbye i i didn't say goodbye i said See you later because right. I'm right. as, as, a, as a first contender for the championship. So I'm just letting it borrow it for a minute because I'm coming back for it. All right. On that note, what about the NWA Women's Championship? How do you feel about still being champion right now during COVID, especially when some people have left the company as far as we, have, we can tell? Well, it's hard, man. It's hard to like be a defending or a defending champion for the, the, the strap. I defended it. I think three times last month in less than two weeks. So my goal, is, my goal is like, if I'm able to do it, I will do it. It will be every week, twice, three times a day. I don't care. Like I'm here to work, but if not, I'm here doing interviews, telling you how amazing it is to sit down and do interviews with y'all in the Philippines. <laughs> so, and I'm still defending it. Like uh, it's, it's up in the air with whoever wants to like face me or whoever wants to book, book it and they want to give me a good opponent, I'll, I'll whip their ass for sure for this championship. So whoever dares to do this, I'm, I'm ready. Just put, you know, write the check. Let's make it happen. It's a very weird time to be a champion representing yourself and that promotion in different other companies. And I want to ask you about 
being the NWA World Women's Champion, Thunder Rosa. But before we get to that, let's take a quick break and talk to our other podcasts from Podcast Network Asia. Yo, what's up? This is Real Talk Darbs. Join me as we talk about life, love, relationships, and hear me drop wisdom bombs on every talk. Do check me out in Wisdom Bars with Real Talk Darbs Podcast. That's Wisdom Bars with Real Talk Darbs Podcast, now part of Podcast Network Asia. Check me out. Yalla bye! So I, I saw on your Instagram that you actually have been defending it in different promotions. Uh, have you been defending it in Mission Pro as well? Yeah, I defended it against Lindsay's now uh, on September 19th. Nice. When did you realize that you wanted to run your own company? It was never like something that I, again, it wasn't something I wanted to do. My husband wanted to do some stuff and I was like, hey, here. And then I got I got in the middle of it. And, and because I'm a control freak sometimes, I'm like, let's just let me do this just let me do this please <laughs> yeah so it was it was like that i remember you describing mission pro wrestling as a place where uh custom bookings are allowed so for the uninitiated can you uh, describe how that process works and what goes into that you see wwe and yeah. the thunderdome it's the uh-huh. same yes. thing guys it's the same <laughs> hey somebody order them somebody writes a story for them we record them we send them and then we sell them Creates jobs for girls and guys that have not been able to work in wrestling because of COVID-19. So uh, a lot of people are like, well, you know, that's going to affect your career. It's going to be bad for you. I don't think so. That matches are just like a regular match. Somebody gets heat. You sell. You have your you have your ring, your ring gear. Everything is covered. There is no Pornhub style and none of that stuff. Like, <laughs> get it out of your head. This is some. This is a way that a lot of women and men have made a living out of it when they can't get paid what they deserve in the indies. So, um, there, like I said, there's a lot of uh, a stigma against it, and it's it's a little it's a little sad. But um, but we're working with a lot of the guys and girls, and they're really enjoying their time. We're very respectful. Everything's with their boundaries. If they don't want to do a certain moves, they don't do them. If they want to, they do. We also do a uh, we record pro matches on st- in studio so they can get extra money uh, mm-hmm. for another company. So we work with different companies. So it's, it's again, it's all about creating jobs and creating a stable income for them, for us, and for everybody else. And that's what it's all about. Have there been really oddball requests from people? Because I can imagine if you open up a, a custom booking service, maybe some of the oddballs will come out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But we are very clear. There is no nudity. There is no sex involved. We just keep it straight and clear with the boundaries of our uh, staff and talent. And that's it. If they don't want to do it, then we're not going to force them to do it. And we tell them the clients, no, I have no problem telling a client, no, we can't do that straight off the bat. I mean, you can take somewhere else. Maybe they can help you with that, but we're not that type of customs. I mean, if I was to offer those services, then I would be like, yeah, but they're not offering in this website. You can go on this website and then maybe my friends can help you on that. I mean, there's so many producers all over the world. We all do different different matches and, and different styles. Like, again, it's all about empowering our, our talent. If they feel comfortable doing that, go for it. If they don't, they don't. And I'm not going to shame them or, or anything. And I'm not going to shame my customers either because that's what they like. But I tell them, you can go to this other company that will more than likely will help you. So it's, it's very important that even either or, you don't shame where it's coming from. Everybody has a different 
different style of things. I mean, a lot of people still like asking for bras and panties matches. Wow. That was what Man. years ago. Uh-huh. And that was me. And that was okay. Nobody said anything because he was in a mainstream company. But now they don't do that. They're like, oh no, that's bad. Right. Shame on you. Right? So it's like, hmm, double standard. But you can't say that. So again, if my customers want that, I can send them where they can get that. Yeah. And uh, I mean, my 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 talent, they 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 do pro style pro style matches. I just want to ask, uh, where'd you get where'd you guys get the idea for this uh, to let the customers book the, the stories and the matches? Well, this has been done for a long, okay. long time. Mildred Burke actually, after she retired, she had her own costume match company. So I'm oh. telling you, this like decades ago. Wow. The slamming ladies, they have had all kinds of talent in in the roster and you can see like from sarah del rey or uh she is now the main trainer or uh you know in, in wwe a lot of the girls from wwe they they were part of customs and they did it after they went and did a booking they went and did more money doing customs than what they got in, in an indie booking so that's the reality of things and like even some of my guys they make more money that they ever made in professional wrestling or in their regular jobs and just by wrestling with matches that fan created and, and he's his own booker and his own writer and some of the matches are actually really fun and, and we got when I'm recording them I'm laughing but because they're really fun and and, and, and I mean it's something that you probably wouldn't put it on a live show but they're really yeah. really fun I, it's very creative some of them are very creative very uh, cinematic and I enjoyed recording those and editing those. Uh, that, those are really cool. And then I also like the MMA style ones. I I've been re- I get requests of those a lot. So we do like three rounds, and they're like we spar and everything. So it's really wow. cool. Wow. I mean, you, you can do anything pretty much. You can be an alien, and you come as an alien, and the alien. <laughs> oh no, I'm serious. It's like there, there was a really cool one I recorded with Holiday and and Alex Gracia. Alerad was like a, like a, a witch and she takes over Alex Gracia's soul and she's like acting like she has no soul. She's like, it was a dream, but it wasn't a dream. Like, it was really cool. Like, and I like recording that kind of stuff. I think it's fun. Yeah, that's one of the more wholesome types of art, I guess. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Or like there was one I did a long time ago. I was a killer. So uh-huh. I'll be like, my friend has this big house. And we were recording at his house, so I had like this uh, reality thing. So I put it on. I was like, "Oh my god, I lost this like round. Let me do this other round." So I come out like with a gun and like this like fake <laughs> bikini girls come and they're like fighting me, just kind of like the seventies. Yeah, seventies. Right. Yeah. Like I come and like they beat me up like three times. So I was like, "Okay, I got it. Like now I know their weakness." And then I come like with like the knife and the gun, and I'm shooting shooting the gun and stuff. It was just like really fun. Like where do you get to do that stuff? Right. Like, even stuff when you're little right you play with your friends like oh yeah let's like i'm gonna be like this super killer and then we're gonna try to like play fight or whatever and it's really cool so i i enjoy doing that that was really fun so we saw that you've been really working on your own promotion as well mission pro wrestling but before we get to that let's get to another break and hear from our friends here at podcast network asia Hello fellow podcast listeners. Hi, my name is JC Tevez. Just dropping by uh, to say hello to you. I do have a podcast if you want to listen to it. It's called Tevez of the Best. I just talk about my own life, but you might learn something new if you stick around over there. I just try to make it relatable. So it is available wherever you listen to your favorite podcast on Podcast Network Asia or whatever you listen to. Okay, so maybe after this one that you're listening to, give this one a shot. 
Tevez of the best, thanks. And see you there. Later. How long does it usually take you guys to come up with these custom matches or these custom videos? Like, what's the production process like? Well, we don't, I don't, I don't write them. Like, if my friends write them and they have those ideas, we pretty much tape all day. He comes with the idea, we develop it, and then we go over, like, like the, the fighting scenes to make sure they look good, what angles we're going to use and stuff. And then we practice a little bit, and, and, uh, and then we shoot it. And then, then he has to, like, edit it. And then he puts like special, if you put a special effects and all that, it takes forever. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, it's like, you can shoot with your friends, just, you know, it's like a, a like a cheap Netflix movie kind of thing. And yeah, like a B movie. Like yeah, it's it's cool. But when we get the, the costume matches, we um, we pretty much take from 8 in the morning to 6 p.m. Back to back. It's, it's rough. It's rough, but we take care of our, we take care of the talent. We make sure they have breakfast, coffee, water everybody's dying we do it with no air conditioner because we're in texas so uh-huh. it's brutal uh-huh. um, and, we know what that's um, like yeah and um but it's cool like we get all the if, if like things that we need to get like chains or like phones or like stuff like that or special clothes we get it then they wear like the clothes or whatever uh for for the for the scene and like it's, it's very cool it's pretty cool one of the things that really stood out to me was how it's important for you to every talent and every person who works with you to be comfortable. So I want to ask about your reaction towards the speaking out movement when it happened a few months ago. So um, what con- what was your reaction to that one? And as a follow-up, what concrete impacts have you seen on the industry as a result of it? Well, I was overwhelmed. For a long time, I said that there was like the a code of silence for a lot of us. I'm telling like 99.9% wouldn't say much because as like you guys saw, if you say something, you got, you got blackballed. Yeah. Right. And everybody wants to work. So that's has been an issue in, in, in for a lot of us to find our voice. And I think that the speak out, give voice to a lot of people. I feel like now I feel more comfortable and I have like, I have a voice now. I'm not talking about social media. If I have a problem or if I feel uncomfortable with a male counterpart, or a female counterpart. I feel more comfortable going directly to them and say, the way you talk to me, that message you send me, it's not appropriate. I'm gonna ask you to please stop. I feel comfortable saying that. I said, I work with you all the time. I don't feel how you're talking to me is appropriate. So please uh, do that or otherwise. I feel that now we can talk to our men and women about the importance of pressing charges regardless of what pain in the ass it is. Yeah. But they need a trail, a taste for people that are, um, I don't want to call them predators, but some people were predators, uh, they would become predators after one or two, two, three times doing the same thing. Um, and um, if you don't do that, and if you go and put in publicly, say what happened without pressing charges, there is a great, great possibility they're going to press charges against you for slandering. And that's what's happening right now. So I think it's opening the eyes to a lot of people to be informed and to support our talent, like from promoters or whatever, that if whatever needs to be done, they needs to be done. And um, some people have taken it on their, own, on their own hands to create policy that can be implemented all over the country that have to do with it, has to do with HR, that has to do with social media, yeah. that has to do with things that I, I think it needs to be talked about because a lot of these issues 
if the culture would have been different, I don't think it would have, it would have been as, I don't know, it was, it was, it was it, like I said, it was really, really hard for a lot of us to read it. And it was a lot of um, relieving, relieving memories, relieving very bad experiences that a lot of us had and a lot of things that we kept quiet because we didn't want to hurt anybody. And, um, and for me, it was a very nice way to like connect with some of my friends and talk about some of these issues that they went through with some of the people that was talked about and have like positive conversations and where, how can we help each other emotionally, physically, and spiritually without, um, you know, shame, shaming the victim or continue to shame the, the victimizer. So, um, we did that. I, I, I now, um, which reminds me, I have to talk to these people in California because I'm trying to implement some of the stuff that they're working on on my company mm-hmm. that has to talk about social media, that talks about sexual harassment, that talks about just behavior in general in the locker room and outside the locker room. Uh, so we can uh, prevent a lot of this stuff. And also uh, educating the locker room about men and women and having people, having the spaces for people to, to, to change. Like for us, like having... A, a small room where we can all change and, you know, get naked, whatever we want to do without men looking at us. And then we have another speak out thing or somebody taking a video. You never know. I mean, you never know. So that's what I tell the girls. And I tell the guys too, I'm holding everyone accountable in this place to take care of your, of your sisters. Cause this is a brotherhood and mm-hmm. we need to take care of each other, not mess each other up. Yeah, and I, for example, in Mission Pro, no men are allowed to come in the locker room unless we have a meeting and the girls are okay with it. Mm-hmm. No men are allowed in the locker room. Period. It shouldn't be that way. Like, they need to have, give us our, our space. Um, like I said, we're going to start implementing some of the stuff for our next show. And we want to be one of the first ones to do this because, we again, we want to we be trailblazers and make sure that we, we put – our money where our mouth is and that's it. It's not like, Oh, talk, 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 talk. And then I don't do anything. That's the reason why we created mission for wrestling. And that's the reason why I'm, I'm pushing so much for, for roles. That's a women. We can have more roles of power so we can be agents. So we can be bookers. So we can work in production. So we can have a say on what's happening in the women's division, which I feel like for decades has been dominated by men. Right. And we, do what men tell us to do. And we continue to do that. And it hasn't changed in 2020. So that's one of the things that I haven't seen has changed in any other companies that I have worked for. Yeah, there is some women they can say and they can uh, advise. But again, people are on top. All of them are males. Where do, where should all of this start? Because you talked about how all of this affects everybody in the industry, from fans to people who are working in the ring, people who are working behind the scenes. But where should all of this uh, change really start? It starts with you. You need to educate yourself. You need to find the information. There's something called Google. <laughs> <laughs> and um, a, lot of, a lot of people that went through this are very, very young people. They, haven't, they, they never had like a regular job. They never like had uh, education about sexual harassment and what's the best way to do it. I think um, empowering us as women and men, empowering our younger generation and letting them know what is right and what is wrong. Yeah. But I guess it starts with us. Definitely like the behavior that I experienced when I started wrestling is not okay. Like a lot of the stuff that some of the guys did to me is not okay. And I told them, I, I, you know, one time I, one guy, he grabbed my ass. It was one of the guys that I used to train with. 
And he did it in a malicious way. So I got quiet. He tried again and everybody was in the locker room. And I said, you touch me one more fucking time. I'm going to beat your ass. Stop touching me. Like, why do I have to tell you to stop touching me in the first place? You shouldn't touch me. And it's not cool. Right. Telling people that it's not okay. Don't talk to me that way. I'm not your girlfriend. It's like, or, or, or the guys, if a girl's like consistently trying to get in their pants, be like, Hey dude, like it goes both ways. Like I don't want nothing with you. Okay, cool. Like, bye. And when it's consensual, it's consensual. But when it's the girl or the guy said, Hey, leave me alone. It's over. It's over. Cause that goes into harassment thing. So it's like knowing the difference of what is right and what is wrong. And when somebody tells you to stop, that means stop. It's over done over with, leave me alone. And that's the hardest part. I mean, some people are like, I just love you. And I'm just, no, just said no. It's really hard, but it starts with us. Definitely like changing that mentality and, and teaching it to others and empowering others by saying, you are allowed to say that too. So this doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it doesn't happen to the extent that it happened. I know it will happen because just that's how the, the cookie crumbles. But if we don't unify and we don't, try to implement those policies that I was, ta- I was talking to you about. And people understand that this in, in a regular job, yeah, it doesn't go right. You can't grabbing your boss's ass or calling her names or sliding on her DMS. Right. Yeah. Or your coworker. You can't cause she's going to go to HR mm-hmm. and they're going to fire your ass. It's just like educating and informing and taking it upon yourself first and then start educating others. All right. So from that, let's talk about uh, lighter things, I guess we could say, because whenever <laughs> we have people on here from Lucha Underground, I have so many questions about it, both as a wrestling experiment and as a as people who have been part of the program itself. So can you tell us a little about, about Cobra Moon as a character? And was that your own idea? And if not, did it, how did you make it your own? Cobra Moon was all Lucha Underground. They had that character. They offer it to two different people. They refuse. Then they offer it to me. And then I said, absolutely, yes. What do I do? And I didn't know nothing about Lucha. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Lucha. I just got in the ring and they're like, you're doing this. Like, all right. So that's how it was. And then they told me like just basically the, the backstory of it. And then it was like, Trial and error. What works, what doesn't. Who was my agent a lot of the times? Paul London was my agent a lot of the times. And he's very, like, theatrical and extra. So he's like, you got to slip through things. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, who came up with the slithering? Because that was really good. Yeah. Paul London uh, advised me to do that. He was like, you totally should come out. Be, like, uh, doing this stuff. All right, cool. So when I come out, very seductive, very, like, you know, slithering. Like, all the, what, you know, the snake... That created that created Adam and Eve. It was just you know evil and conniving and, and everything. But at the same time, she was very attractive, and you just like, mm, who is this? You know. So that was the whole story. And then I think season three. That's when I was able to develop more of the character, and I was able to do more vignettes mm-hmm. and show how evil she was. I didn't get to wrestle as much, which is fine because we were developing more of the backstory, and that really helped me to focus on paying attention to what my peers were doing. And I, the things that I needed to learn by the time I come back in the ring and use the same character. So it was a trial and error. And I, I had a lot of fun, definitely. Yeah. So what was it like working with Vibora, who is now Luchasaurus? 
Like, did you expect him to stick with the character all the way after he did Lucha Underground? Well, I think uh, it happened just kind of like with me. He he wanted to be himself, but sometimes like being yourself is not like, like people don't right. like really. So when he got that mask, everybody at Lucha Underground used to call him Luchasaurus, right? Right. Yeah. But what they trademark was Vivora. So he was like, oh, this works? Okay, let me go in Luchasaurus. <laughs> and then he went to AEW as Luchasaurus. Damn. So he created his own Vibra to Luchasaurus. And I was right. like, all right, cool. And he took it and then he did it. So, and now he's, I mean, he, I always knew that he was super athletic. And for a big guy, he does a lot of gymnastics kind of stuff. When he was doing it, when we were training, I was like, holy shit. And then, and then he'll be doing, a, he's a great wrestler too. Like he was teaching us a bunch of stuff like, chaining chain style wrestling and i was like wow like this guy is really good and he's really good too he's like he was a, a personal trainer physical therapist and stuff so he's really knowledgeable he's a super smart guy super smart guy he studied like medieval history he has a master's degree on that mm-hmm. so i was like well why are you a wrestler and he's just like <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really cool it's really cool it's really cool to see his uh, how he's evolving in uh, I'm really happy for him that he has obtained the amount of success that he had because he's gone through a lot of injuries and a lot of setbacks and he's killing it right now with his team. All right. Uh, in a previous interview, you mentioned that you joined Lucha Underground while being relatively new to the wrestling business. Did that take a mental toll on you having to perform at that level so soon? A mental, Yeah. Oh yeah. Nobody wants you there. You're one, one year and a half in the business. Everybody is 10, 12 years. Of course nobody wants you there. It's like, you there like no like we earned this place so you have to work your ass off to show not only to yourself but to everybody else that you deserve that spot just as anybody else does and this is what i tell you the same thing happened with mma at least in mma they jump you to see where you're at and they humble you right like, you know? <laughs> yeah but with with wrestling is like Every time you step in the ring, you got to show why you deserve to be there. And sometimes they beat your ass. Sometimes you look like shit. Sometimes you don't. And you then little by little, they, you show them that you deserve the spot. You deserve the spotlight. And yes, I was very green. Some of my matches, I don't watch them. I cringe. They're horrible. But that's part of my journey. Yeah. Right? And I, that's why I tell the girls, like, I am in a position now where my fears were when I started. But I'm never, ever, ever going to treat you like you don't belong in the ring. I mean, you, you can feel that way, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be kind and I'm going to be that person that if you feel like uncomfortable, you want to do something or you want me to teach you something, I will. Like, Idolstar was like that with me. Drago was like that with oh. me. Uh, Shane Strickland was like that with me. Um, who else used to like, take their time? Damn. A lot of the boys, they used to take their time to teach me things. Willie Mack used to, like, here and there throw me some stuff. Some of the guys that struggle and, and, and they've been in the same position that I was and then when they saw me there, I was like, oh, I see you. I was like you. Like, let me let me help you. Like, they care and they want they wanted me to succeed. So when they see me in the Indies or we have like same shows, they'll be happy to see me and stuff like that. And that's that's what I want to do. I, I want to see my peers succeed. And what a better way if I have something to teach them, to teach them and, and feel, them, feel them comfortable, feel them confident. I think building the confidence on people that you work with just helps you at the in the long run because you'll have better matches because they will feel like they're not gonna feel like they're gonna forget for instead sure. of like don't forget anything because if you do I'm gonna beat your ass like like really yeah it's positive reinforcement that's what you're after exactly exactly and they will be more likely to like if they forget things you know it's it's okay it's not a big deal let's, let's work on it next time 
I remember you mentioning the feeling from the veterans that you didn't deserve to be in the Lucha Underground locker room when you were there. Did you ever feel any microaggressions from the vets? You know, that's a good question. I tried to like block it and I was always like very happy and easygoing. I noticed that later. So, but that's why I'm the way that I am now. I don't want to be treated that way. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. As we wind down here, uh, I want to zoom out about your character or talking about your, your character. Did you have any ideas for a character other than Thunder Rosa? Or did you know from the very start that who you present yourself as right now, that's who you, you want to be? No, it was it's a, a continuous uh, evolution of the character. It wasn't like, uh, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. Like it, it has evolved so many ways. And I think now it's the way that it is because, again, my confidence has grown. My skills have gotten better. I am who I am. And this is who I am and this is what you're going to get. And if you don't like it, fine. I'm not everybody's cup of tea and not everybody's uh, flavor of ice cream. I always say that I have a set of values that I'm not willing to break Mm -hmm. just to get a spot somewhere. If things are going to happen, they're going to happen naturally and and organically. And I believe that. So I bring positiveness into the ring. I bring another vibe. I bring intensity. I bring, like I said, all the stuff that I was talking earlier. Resilience, passion. In and outside of the ring, because this is who I am. So, what's the next evolution of the Thunder Rosa character then? Since you said that it's a constant process. I'm still working on it. We will see. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was hoping for a spoiler, but you beat me to it. Um, no, no, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm working on it. I think um, Thunder Rosa wants to leave a legacy, and um, it wants to show positive leadership in whatever she does, in uh, whatever I represent. And I think bringing women together, women of different colors, different um, backgrounds, different everything. That's that's my dream right now. It's bringing them together, bringing opportunities, bringing an opportunity to teach different things. I'm not just talking about wrestling, but things that will empower them and then will allow them to be independent and successful. And I don't think they teach us that in schools at all. As a last question, I want to ask about your wrestling bucket list. Is there still an item there that you have to uh, achieve, accomplish, and check by the end of your career? Yeah, yeah I want to go to and uh, wrestle in Mexico City at the Arena Mexico. That's one of the biggest arenas in Mexico. I really do want to do that. I want to go to Australia and wrestle in Australia. I'll definitely, if there's an opportunity to wrestle in China, go back to Europe and wrestle out there. I think I love the fans in Europe. They're absolutely great. There's a one, one more place. Maybe like South America. I know that wrestling is not very big, but there must be an opportunity to wrestle there somewhere. Work production, learn production mm-hmm. in a, a higher, higher scale. And maybe that's another thing that I would like to do besides wrestling. All right. Uh, before right. we let you go, Rosa, uh, where can people check out your work and uh, your socials and Mission Pro Wrestling? MissionProWrestling.net. You can check everything at there we have uh, a gallery of pictures of our old sh- a couple shows that we had. All our custom matches are there. Orders, if you guys want to order, you guys can order anywhere in the world. Uh, just go there. All the information is there. www.missionprowrestling.net. For Thunder Rosa, it's www.thunderrosa.net. All my merchandise is uh, sent to all over the world. If you're in America, well, it's easier. Uh, but if you're in Philippines, Japan, everything is special order. You can send me a message what you want and I'll send it to your way. It takes a little while. I only send merchandise once a week because I'm getting busier. So um, that. And then for all my socials are at Thunderosa22. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And YouTube. So don't forget, subscribe, like, 
tell your people, send me a DM by your merch. Thunder Rosa, thank you so much for being very generous with your story and with your time with us. Uh, we've been so excited for this and we can't believe that we actually got to sit down with the NWA World Women's Champion. So thank you so much and congratulations on all the successes that you've achieved. Thank you and thank you for your time. Hopefully uh, the peoples in the Philippines get to know Thunder Rosa too. Thank you so much once again to Thunder Rosa. You can check her out on AEW Dynamite where she's become a regular fixture on their shows. And you can also check out all of her socials and her promotion, Mission Pro Wrestling. Uh, man, um, I don't know where we go from here, but the road to Batista in 2020 <laughs> Batista has been up to be quite the road. Dave, what's up, Dave? You have a new, <laughs> Dave, you have a new movie. Where are you at, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> you have a new movie where, behind the man. Where are you at, Drax? Come on, let's do this. Here's up, Drax. Let's go. My, my spy promotion tour. <laughs> we, we, we're ready for you, Drax. Hey, stop. we're shooting our shot. Uh, calling shooting. it out into yeah. the universe. Stop, stop shooting Stuber too. Nobody cares about that. Stuber. Do a show, man. Oh, you need drinking Stuber. Stuber was good. Let's I like it. Uh, stop shooting the sequel to My Spy. Do this first, man. Do this first. <laughs> let's go, Drax. So there you go. Uh, that's the uh, Thunder Rosa episode on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. If there are other international wrestlers that you want us to reach out to, you can always hit us up on Twitter at Wrestling2XPod, at China Supersized, at Roiswar, at underscore Stan C. And you never know, you know, all I did was we shot our shot, we emailed Thunder Rosa, and she was able to find time for us. So oh my, I, I, I will just say, though, that Thunder Rosa on Instagram is a very busy lady. So... Props to her for saying yes to our little podcast on this side of the world. Because she's oh, a wow. one-man operation, yeah. one-woman operation. Well, you know, she does work closely with her husband as well. Essentially, she manages her own promotion. She does everything herself. So I'm so glad that she took time out of her busy schedule to talk with us for a little bit. And this is one of the usually one of the best interviews we've had here on the podcast. Yes perfect agree, start to our week and we hope it's the perfect start to your week as well and this week is just going to keep rolling on because on Thursday at 7pm we have our regular live stream on the Facebook page facebook.com slash wrestling wrestling podcast and we're also on Kumu at wrestling wrestling pod so follow us over there and catch the stream we'll talk about the WWE draft and everything else that might happen between now and then plus we've got to break down some of the news that's also come out actually mabigat so we'll save it for Thursday night until then, though, shout out to our babyface producers, Sola and Nikai, for keeping uh, it all together and putting these episodes up for you on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, leave a comment. And again, let us know which guests you want us to reach out to on a future stop on the road to Batista. Until then, though, this is Stan C, Chino Liao, and Ro Moran signing out here on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. Peace! 